and welcome back to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR stories from over the last week. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR within a short podcast. So join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. Today, I'm joined by Dan Cave, Head of Content at Executive Grapevine Digital Media. So welcome back, Dan. How are you doing this week? I am good, Soph. I, uh, obviously, we've not seen each other in person for I don't probably even over know a month. <laughs> <laughs> Unkempt is probably the word that my mother would use. Um, yeah, <laughs> although I have not seen you in person for over a month now, uh, we are still working hard, as I imagine a lot of people that are working remotely are. In fact... I found a stat today that I think our audience would enjoy, which is almost half of people are putting in more hours than they would at the office, but over a quarter believe that their boss doesn't think they're working as hard. So that's my work from home, work remote stat for everyone for the day. (laughs) Well, thank you for kicking that off for us. Um, So as Dan explained, obviously, we, like most of the country, is working at home. And today we're dialing in from our phones for the purpose of the podcast. So we do apologise if the sound quality isn't as optimal as it could go. But as I have said for the last few weeks, we still are dedicated to bringing you the latest topical debates within a short HR podcast. You know, whether it's recorded from home as it is at the moment or whether, you know, we're back in our uh, designated recording room in the office. So although this week we're going to be talking about HR best practice around furlough, it is a subject that we more than appreciate has had a lot of noise and reportage around it. So to cut through that noise and to give you the facts as they stand at the moment, regards how many people are using it, what it intends to do, and some of the legal bits and pieces around it, I believe SOF has everything in its most up-to-date format, don't you, SOF? Yes, well, I like to think so anyway. Um, So as Dan said at the moment, furlough is really one of the biggest buzzwords um, out there. Uh, Lots of media outlets are reporting on it. But what does it actually mean? So traditionally, it relates to a granted leave of absence. But particularly relating to the pandemic, it refers to the UK government's coronavirus job retention scheme. So under this scheme, employers will be able to apply from a grant uh, from HMRC to cover 80% of staff wages for employees that would otherwise have been laid off during this crisis, perhaps down to a downturn in business or lack of economic uh, certainty. So in some instances, employees may be eligible to receive up to £2,500 per month. Um, But according to gov.uk, employers can choose to top up the wages of furloughed employees if they want to make it to 100% of their employee's salary, but it's not actually compulsory. Essentially, though, the main condition of this scheme is that employees must not work or provide any services uh, to the business while they are on furlough, even if the employer does decide to top up their wage. This scheme was announced last month by Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, um, in a daily press briefing. And on Monday this week, the government's furlough scheme officially opened. And within 30 minutes, um, numerous outlets reported that 70,000 claims had been made for employees. Um, At the daily press conference on Monday evening, Rishi said that by 4pm, more than 140,000 employers had already applied to the job retention scheme on behalf of staff, which is a figure that will likely increase as we go on. 
He said at the time, the grants they receive will help pay the wages of more than a million people. A million people who, if they hadn't been furloughed, would have been at risk of losing their job. According to previous projections from the think tank, the Resolution Foundation, they predicted that over 11 million workers could be furloughed under the the coronavirus job retention scheme. As of Wednesday this week, more than seven in 10 UK private firms had furloughed some staff in response to the coronavirus lockdown measures and also due to company shutdowns. According to the data which was released by the British Chamber of Commerce, its weekly tracker poll found that 71% of employers had furloughed at least some of their staff under the government scheme, which is up from 66% last week. In terms of the organisations that have taken up this scheme, um, two examples of high street firms that have done so are Primark and John Lewis that have furloughed tens of thousands of staff members. According to an ITV report, Jaguar Land Rover has furloughed half of its entire UK workforce, which amounts to a staggering 20,000 employees. In addition to some of the smaller organisations, some high-profile celebrity names, including Victoria Beckham and Stella McCartney, have faced backlash and criticism for their decision to furlough staff under the government scheme purely because of the individual wealth that they both hold. And according to a recent HR Grapevine article, Victoria has pledged to top up the wages of furloughed workers, which is not currently something that Stella has reportedly offered to do. So it's quite clear that even just a few days after opening, the take up of this scheme is very heavy, regardless of the business size or the notoriety of the business owner. Being furloughed can be extremely disheartening for any employee, as well as the colleagues who um, are continuing to work throughout this challenging period. So it's important for HR to keep connected and support them as much as possible, because it is possible that mental health may suffer as a result. In fact, experts recently warned that coronavirus will have a severe impact on mental health in the UK. Long after the lockdown period ends, experts have predicted that the outbreak will have a severe social, psychological and biological impact on Brits. And researchers have subsequently called for greater research into the matter. A paper published in the Lancet Psychiatry cited a combination of factors that have led to a deterioration in mental health, such as fears of contracting the disease, job uncertainties and, you know, being separated from families, etc. But for those that have been furloughed, this could be an extra contributing factor to poor mental health. So it is important for HR to do everything that they can to support them throughout this difficult period. But with there being so many clauses about what furloughed employees and employers can and can't do throughout this period, it's important for HR to gauge a clear understanding of what level of contact and interaction is allowed. So um, to find out from a legal perspective, I spoke to Karen Holden, who is the founder of a city law firm. And before the podcast, she told me that when furloughed, Legally, your staff are not allowed to generate any type of income for the business, but they can be involved in training or ask questions um, or ask information for resilience of the business. So while fellow may be a clear option for a lot of organisations at the moment, Karen said that HR should think about these employees returning to work in the future and not just focus on the here and now. Therefore, Karen's advice is to retain staff as best as possible and to reassure them that they are still a valued member of the team and also try and reassure them as much as they can about the future. Um, In an overall sense, she explained that it is about having a balancing act between showing commitment to your fellow staff on their terms and also making sure that you aren't expecting them to reply on your terms. 
So I think now that we've, you know, unpicked the extent that the employer-employee relationship um, is able to work, it's really about tailoring that support for employees. While employees obviously can't work and can't provide those services to the business, they should still be treated as a valued member of the team and this should be communicated just to ensure that they're feeling as supported as possible. Um, And I think, Dan, you have done a little bit of research and maybe spoken to a few people about the different methods and ways that HR can support these members of staff through this difficult period. Did you want to perhaps just talk us through some of those? Yes, Sophie, I would. So obviously, as Sophie has laid out, and indeed the British government has laid out, outside of generating income, HR can support its staff during this period. So I had the pleasure of speaking to, and indeed have the weekly pleasure of speaking to, Harriet Sherville, who is Chief People Officer at IRIS. She essentially does a weekly, or gives us access to her weekly diary of what they are focusing on from a people and HR perspective, which we publish on HR Great Room every week. So a plug for content there. Please do read it. It is a very honest and thorough run through of essentially how their HR team is dealing with the coronavirus pandemic, including tips on how to deal with different legal aspects of furlough, all the way to how to support employees' mental health. It is absolutely fantastic. Regards furlough, the team at IRIS, or Harriet's team at IRIS, were really, really interested in still creating social connections for furloughed staff, ensuring they had access to social events, that they still had access to company benefits and access to the support they need. In her own words, for us, it's about trying to get the balance between following the legal process, brackets of furlough, and making people feel supported and connected. So one of the things they've done is sent out a newsletter to all furloughed staff, which essentially gives different things that they might be interested in doing during this time, from TED Talks to different ways they can learn new skills, which is great. And for those who want to spend this time being uber productive and still getting paid as as, 80% of your wages as you can get up to on furlough, that is absolutely fantastic. But I really like the caveat that they put at the end of this, which was if essentially you want to spend this time lying in your bed eating Maltesers, then that is absolutely fine too. So I really like that. Here's some things to do if you fancy being productive, but don't worry, we appreciate there's a load of stress and anxiety at this moment of time. You're not alone here's essentially some access and what they do give um, employees access to or furloughed employees access to is all their mental health benefits or their private healthcare benefits. Those continue for these employees, which I think is an absolutely fantastic idea. And they're still invited to social events as well at work. So social Zoom calls, which are allowed as long as work isn't discussed. So for many people, they have a, a wide variety of social connections that they will be missing if they're furloughed. So I thought that was a really, really nice touch. This is outside of Iris, but I think Sophie mentioned this in her run through. It is still possible to deliver growth and learning and development and training for staff during this this period. Um, There are loads of stories in regional outlets and industry specific B2B magazines. So I'd go and Google those depending on what industry you're in for how firms are delivering training in this time, which is fantastic because a lot of employees might want to take this period of time, which they wouldn't have had off otherwise or outside of doing their usual job function to learn new skills, improve the skills that they do have. Something that has been talked about a lot is social content. So as I mentioned at Iris, the content of the call can't be work, but social calls would be excellent for mental health and well-being, which will obviously be of prime consideration during this stressful time. Um, on the social contact point, though, anecdotally, 
And anybody can see this if they go onto LinkedIn. I imagine most of our listeners do have a LinkedIn profile. A lot of people, at least in my, my, my <laughs> proxy of my job, uh, my LinkedIn um, connections or network is made up of a lot of HR people, of recruitment people, are business leaders. Many are seeing that interaction with their posts is are going down with some questioning, actually, is this due to the fact that LinkedIn could have been seen as an extension of my job or any job and therefore employees that might have been furloughed or individuals that might have been furloughed and no longer posting actually poses a really good question that I don't have the answer to right now. But say, for instance, HR leaders or HR practitioners that might have posted about how great their firm firm is or excellent schemes that are running, could it be that they're no longer posting because they're worried this is seen as an extension of their job and is actually showcasing the employer brand, which attracts skills to the company, which drives revenue. And we all know that part of that core HR is recruitment in order for the company to grow and create revenue or positively impact the bottom line. It's tangential. I'm not sure if it's right. I'm not sure if what I'm saying is right. But it's a question worth posing. And maybe one of our listeners does have the answer or they've experienced something similarly. That's a by the by. So we know loads of people use LinkedIn for social reasons anyway. So outside of the social contracts, there are lots of tips and tricks out there for essentially ensuring that staff are looked after. I think this is one of HR's key considerations during this time. Your employees might not be generating revenue for you now, but they will be doing it after the furlough period if things work out okay for your business during that period of time. So there are long-term benefits for the business, obviously for the individual as well, but for the business of looking after your staff right now. Mines, who are one of the most well-known mental health charities in the UK, suggest loads of things to help with looking after the well-being of staff during this period from having well-being calls and and, and this requires HR to be cognizant of the type of living arrangements that staff might have that some might live alone some might be vulnerable some might have previous mental health issues so it's really good to check in with them right then it's a good opportunity as well and you might do this in a way that Iris have done and send out a newsletter with loads of um, answers to FAQs and signposts to the benefits they do have as a company. It's, it's really good to remind staff that they still have access to all the things that other employees who are still working might do, such as different mental health services, um, healthcare services, financial wellbeing services, if you have those things. You might also, and, and this is very, um, and I say this in air quotes, soft things, but you'll know how to tailor it in a way that works for your culture and for your company. Basically, Find out things that staff might want to achieve outside of their usual job. Furlough is an excellent time to be doing this. And it's an excellent time for you to be showing as a HR function, as an employer, that you care about their goals, their professional goals and their personal goals. So it might be something to improving a skill that might help them in their job. It might be improving a skill outside of the business. You might be able to give them a push in the right direction for reaching the resources that they need to be able to um, work towards those goals. And then... More softly, staff might want to actually be helping charities during this time. There's loads of charities that need support or are crying out for support or just generally keep in touch. I think lots of people have said this, not within the remit of furlough, but there is no such thing as the over-communication in this time. It's it's really important to keep those channels open. So, so I think and I hope 
outside of how HR can support work, well, it, obviously it can't during this period. I think that is basically a road of everything that HR might be able to do for furloughed employees during this period. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've um, we've covered quite a lot of ground today within this podcast. You know, first of all, talking through the legalities and what sort of relationship is allowed via the furlough scheme sort of thing. And then Dan has given us lots of really good examples um, and practical takeaways that you can take back to your organisations with a view to try and provide better support for any of your staff members that are currently on furlough. But unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content. Whether that's through our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market leading research papers. So to find out more or to sign up to our daily content newsletter, which showcases solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit www.hrgrapevine.com.